Welcome to the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and today I have the great pleasure of welcoming Daniel Summerhill to the show. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. Um, an honor to share space and to, to get to rap and talk uh, talk shop a bit. So thank yeah, you. I've been really looking forward to this. It's um, so great to have you here. And listeners, I want to remind you right off the bat, uh, Daniel's going to be here in Santa Cruz in a couple of days reading on uh, Tuesday for the Hive Live reading at Bookshop Santa Cruz with Jennifer Sang at uh, 7 p.m. So um, visit our website and register ahead, and then you can hear him in person on Tuesday. Yeah. That's right. Looking forward, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be so great to have you guys together. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar with Daniel, Daniel Summerhill is a poet and scholar originally from Oakland, California. His work has appeared in Columbia Journal, Obsidian, Academy of American Poets, and elsewhere. He is the author of Divine, Divine, Divine from Nomadic Press in 2021, which was a semifinalist for the Wheeler and Saturnalia Prize, Prizes and Mausoleum of Flowers, which came out this year in, from Coven Carey Press. His work has earned him two Pushcart nominations and numerous Best of the Net nominations. Summerhill has earned fellowships from Baldwin for the Arts and the Watering Hole. He is an assistant professor of poetry, social action, and composition at CSU Monterey Bay, and he is the inaugural Poet Laureate of Monterey County. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show, Daniel, and so great to have you so close by. Yeah, yeah, just just up the coast. Um, yeah, beautiful places in the world, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I have so many things I want to ask you about, but maybe we can kick things off with a poem that you brought in. Sure. Um, by Denez Smith. Sure. Yeah, this is um one of my current favorite favorite poems, which was published in the Nation uh, back in August. Less hope by Denez Smith. Apologies. I was a part of the joy industrial complex, told them their bodies were miracles and they ate it, sold someday, made money off soon and now. I snuck an ode into the elegy, forced the dead to smile and juke, implied America, said destroy, but offered nary step nor tool. I paid taxes knowing where the funds go. In April, my offering to my mother's slow murder. By May, my sister filled with the bullets I bought. June, and my father's life locked in a box I built. My brother's end plotted as I spend. I don't know why I told you it would be okay. Not, won't. When they aren't killing you, they're killing someone else. Sometimes their hands at the ends of your wrist. You, you and me are agent and enemy. 
There I was, writing anthems in a nation whose victory was my blood, made visible, my mother too sugar to weep without melting, my rage a comfort foaming at my racial mouth, singing gospel for a God they beat me into loving. Lord, your tomorrow hold no way. Your heaven's too late. I've abandoned you as you for me, for me, say la vie. But sweet Satan, OG dark, kicked out the sky, first fallen and niggered thing, what's good? Who owns it? Where does it come from? Satan, first segregation, mother of exile, what do you promise in your fire? For our freedom, I offer over their souls. Theirs, mine, is mine. I refuse any hell again. I've known nearer devils, the audience in the mirror. They, I, make you look weak. They, I, clapped at my eulogies. They, I, said encore, encore. I, we wanted to stop being killed. And they, I, thanked me for beauty. And pitifully, I love them. I thanked them. I took the awards and cashed the checks. I did the one about the boy when requested, traded their names for followers. In lieu of action, I wrote a book, edited my war cries down to prayers. Oh, devil, they gave me a God and gave me clout. They took my poems and took my blades. Satan, like you did for God. I sang. I sang for my enemy, who was my God. I gave it my best. I bowed and smiled. Teach me to never bend again. Thank you. That was Daniel Summerhill reading Donna's Smith's poem, Less Hope, here on the Hive Poetry Collective on K-Squid. Well, this poem is just so amazing. I Tell agree. us what you love about it. <laughs> I agree. And, and, and I'm, I'm floored each time I've read it. I don't know how many times now, and I'm floored each time. Um, and I, I learn and discover new turns and in, in new kind of illusions every time I read it as well. What I'm particularly, I guess, interested in and, and floored by is Denez's, um dedication to like self-implication. Yes. Um, I'm in I'm in the the school of um of James Baldwin and Langston Hughes and June Jordan and and the 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 latter of which June Jordan um in a in a um an anthology or I guess a collection of essays some of us did not die uh she says um uh you know speaking of like self implication and what it means to not be innocent James Baldwin says you know the, the the innocence is the lie you know if we we say that we're innocent that's that's the lie and that's the biggest trouble and, and June Jordan in that collection of of um of essays uh says sometimes I am the terrorist I must disarm yeah. sometimes I am the penalty and sometimes I am the companion to the fire and and really what she's getting at is this idea that none of us are 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 innocent and Denez in this poem is you know again self-implicating and thinking about his career um his work as a poet which I yeah. believe Denez believes is in service of the truth and what that means to um, you know, to, to, to dance under the guise of capitalism um, while, you know, you're paying taxes, knowing where the funds go. And right. so I think that the raw honesty, the transparency, self-implication, the tension that's 
that's, you know, drugged throughout the entirety of the poem, this dichotomy of Satan and God or good and evil that's wrestled with, um, all of it I'm enamored by. So, yeah. Yeah. Every time I read it, I, I, every time I read it, different lines jump out on each of those themes. Like sure. when you were reading it just now, those lines, I don't know why I told you it would be okay. Mm-hmm. Not, won't. When they aren't killing you, they're killing someone else. Sometimes yeah. their hands at the ends of your wrist. You, yeah. you and me are agent and enemy. And that, that's right there what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Again, it's this idea that, you know, I, I like, who, you know, who among you is, is innocent, right? You know, yeah. You're in cast the first stone, right? So, so to yeah. speak. Right? And then again, Denez double doubles down and says that not only like am I not innocent, but also I've been used as a tool in this machine that yes. could be, you know, detrimental, right? Or, or yeah. the cause of demise for people that that you know are my brothers or my sisters. And so it's also again thinking about like how you're complicit in in whatever the destruction might be, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and he does it all with such incredible lyric beauty also that that line my mother too sugared to weep without melting yeah yeah just kills me ridiculous yeah it's 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 you know otherworldly Denez's kind of wielding of language and 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 lyricism as you said because there is a bit of like like narrative here too but then there's there's such a like you know use use of lyric right to make that much more engaging and ethereal I think Yeah. yeah yeah and then the way that he brings the um the, the spiritual complexity with it, with Satan and God. And where's that line? There's so many. So Well, I can't find it now. No worries. But but you're right about the spiritual element, right? Because that's yeah. what kind of overarches and governs like a lot of like just our understanding of, of good and bad, right? Is this idea of, of, of spirituality. And Denez uses it as like this extended metaphor to discuss like self-implication, to talk about also one's being of grace, right? And thinking yourself, you know, above or like, you know, um, you know, so heavenly that that you're you're absolved from the evil and then returns to, okay, but like Satan first kicked out of heaven, you know, uh, theme, yeah. right? like what's, you know, what, what are you really about? And and what happened, right? But then also like how how am I and you similar in, in our in our demise here? Yes. Um yeah. That comparison, like it just mm-hmm. it just takes it to a whole nother level to, you know, put yourself in with Satan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 goal, right? Like Yeah, what, you know, totally, totally. Sure, sure. Yeah, and then earlier on in the poem. You know, the title, Less Hope, like when you come to the end and you go right back up Mm -hmm. to the top, Mm -hmm. Less Hope. And um, the way that he brings in the relentlessness of the the calendar in April, my offering to my mother's slow murder by May, my sister filled with the bullets I bought, Mm -hmm. June and my father's life locked in in a box I built, Mm -hmm. my brother's end plotted as I spend. Mm-hmm. This is, is all the eye, right? Like the eye, yeah. you know. And 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 again, like Denez is is a very accomplished, achieved, you know, successful, in my, you know, in my opinion, um, poet, right? And so, what does it mean to like think about like your trajectory, your arc, but not to do it in like a self-loathing fashion, but in a fashion that's like critical, self-critical, right? And and, and examines like all the ways 
that you might be a part of the same the joy industrial complex as yeah. opens the poem right like well how yeah yeah and, and anyone who you know i i don't think it's just limited to artists but all of yeah. us who are trying to make a positive contribution to the world sure. whether it's through poetry or art or you know whatever anyone's profession is sure there's no escape the complicity there's no escape being part of the whole yep. system, yep. no matter how you identify. And he just so artfully and relentlessly takes us there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Denez. Um, yeah. This poem is, is again, it's it's a poem that we should all read um, to understand how you can, um, you know, be self-critical and think about the ways that you might be complicit, which, again, we all are. You know, James yeah. Baldwin says the innocence is the lie. Yeah, so to be you know self you know self examined quite often. Yeah. yeah, and that and that last line, teach me to never bend again. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it it echoes. You must change your life. You know oh, the yeah. archaic torso. Yep, you know, and it's and it's it, you know so it resolves the tension that that's created in the poem, but it doesn't do so in a way that like is um doesn't put a bow on the poem, right? Like it's it's. It's still, again, like very much um, like a um, a call to action, right? Or yes, a, um, you know, uh, along the same wavelength as as you know, but, but stay on yourself, right? Like, or stay on, be be ask the questions, right? Like, be critical, and and like this is an ongoing work that then 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 as recognizes, right? Yeah. Um, so cause it will happen again, right? Teach me to never bend again, right? Yeah. So let's come up. I don't. I don't bend again, right? But I can learn yeah. from, from my complicity in this. Yeah, in this, and you know, it this. gives the reader that arrow. Also, this is the direction we have to go. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's just marvelous. Well, thank you so much for bringing that poem in. Sure. Thanks for allowing me to to share it. You know, oh, it's just it's, it's great. Fun. I I missed this when it first came out. So. Yeah. Really, really happy to. To you know, read it with you. Sure. And uh, if you're just tuning in, this is the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Julie Murphy. I'm here with Monterey Bay poet and inaugural poet laureate Daniel Summerhill here on K Squid. Let's look at your work now, Daniel. Sure. I want to ask you. Your book Mausoleum of Flowers came out earlier this year. A anything you want to sure. tell us about that? Um, it's vastly different than my first book. <laughs> yeah, start, I noticed that. Yeah, I'll, I'll start there. Um, my first book, Divine, 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 uh, was actually my MFA creative thesis. And so it took the, you know, it took many years, um, not because the poems took a long time to write, but just because the assemblage of them took a long time. But then Mausoleum of Flowers was actually written in a much more condensed, um, like timeline. Uh, and it's also because of that, um, and the bulk of those poems were written during the, the head of the, the pandemic. And so um, they have a, a, a much more like intrinsic um, yet empathetic kind of um, tone, I imagine. And it's also like largely about like Black demise and Black death, but not from a point of like, you know, um, you know, uh, fragility or like a place of vulnerability. The, yeah. the place of agency and yeah and like you know with with complexity and so um I think for me it took a lot of um courage to write some of the poms in mausoleum of flowers yeah it also um required a lot more like of me um to 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 write mausoleum of flowers so it's 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 my it's my baby and it and it you know it's it's dear to me and the poems in there are are, are close 
the same as divine, 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 but I think in a in a different way. Yeah, there's a, a rawness and a courage yeah. in the poems in this book that's really moving. Thank you. I, yeah. I mean, I had to put down the book several times to just sit and weep before I could pick it up again. Sure, sure. Well, well, that means a lot. So, you know, that it moves you. That's always the test of, of any book, right? Does, it, does yeah. it transform you, you know, make you think, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I had uh, Rick Barrett on the show not too long ago, and we were talking about, you know, poems as elegy. And I asked him about a particular poem. I said, well, this is very elegiac. And he was like, all poetry is an mm-hmm. elegy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly true of the Dunez Smith poem. Sure. But uh, I think it's also true of um, this collection of poems. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I think there's there's like, you know, there's the elegy to to like small things, like on the, the micro level in the collection. Um, and then there's even like elegy to like, like to, to a particular, to a culture, right? Or, or to yeah. like a collective um, that exists there too. And then I'm always in conversation with like music, musicians and the things that, that, that move me or draw me to the page. So then there's also like odes and or elegies in, 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 in the collection from that angle too. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more when we hear your poems because they, they are like music. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in the school of, of music being my first craft, you know, teacher. So yeah, I learned, I learned how to write poems. I learned how to talk, how to language, how to speak through, through music. And, and, you know, black tradition is is so rhythmic and, and wrapped up in sonics so that, you know, naturally, I think, you know, when I write, that's just how it kind of comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hear. I think I'd love for you to read that first poem in the book. Do not gather flowers for me. Sure. Um, uh, this and I'll only share really quick this poem. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll share after I read the poem, perhaps. OK, yeah. perfect. <laughs> so this is the first poem in the book. Um, Do not gather flowers for me. Do not gather flowers for me. Yet a black Cadillac first. A hundred. A Buick will do if old enough. It's all about the body and what it's born anyway. Line them up, out front. Then let the chrysanthemums, roses, and carnations spill. Out each window. Make it magnificent. Rev the engines. Until they are voiceless. Until there is no gas left in the cylinders. Until a mushroom cloud of gray-black exhaust can be seen from the heavens. Anything this large and dying must have God's attention. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. That was Daniel Summerhill reading his poem, Do Not Gather Flowers for Me on the Hive Poetry Collective on K-Squid 90.7 FM. Wow, Daniel, this poem is so stunning, both visually and sonically and heartfully. Yeah. It reminds me of the poem we just heard in its um, tone, really, of the tension and the elegy that's inherent in it. Mm-hmm. And just the opening of this poem, Do Not Gather Flowers for Me, comma, which is yeah. the title. Sure, sure. And the first line, which is a single word, yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much anticipation Sure. Um, with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, so contextually, like the poem was inspired by uh, Hanif Abdirakib's, um, uh 
collection of essays, A Little Devil in America. Um, and in, in that collection, uh, one of the, the, the essays, I mean, much of the, you know, many of the essays are, are kind of thinking about like black performance and that's the theme or the, you know, the, the angle of the book. And one of the essays talking about Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson's, um, like, I think it was like the farewell or the, the repass or maybe even the funeral. But the context is that this is, you know, thinking about like how funerals are for the living, perhaps rather than the dead. Right. And yeah. how, um, you know, um, funerals are, are also concerned with um, like performance in so many ways. Like, you know, how 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 can I demonstrate that I um knew this person that's fallen right or how can I yeah. articulate that right so as much as it is about grieving it's also about like that performance and in 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 Hanif you know in, in one of his essays uh says uh you know in Ohio the humidity has teeth but once it subsides the night air is a blessing in the early hours of the day after Michael Jackson died my friends and I stumbled out of the basement of Hamptons on King at 2.30 in the morning and dragged ourselves home singing along the cars and their open windows blaring Michael's old hits. This is how one should be laid to rest, I thought, loud and with memories of their voice making the sky tremble. Yeah. So, oh. um, so, so the other piece, the other context, I guess, to, to this poem, uh, so along with that, um, this poem, I believe, was written right at the, the head of um, all the the protests and demonstrations um, following the George Floyd um, um, case or yeah. uh, murder, rather, yeah. before the case. Um, and so um, I was also thinking about, like, what does it mean um, to honor someone that is, as um, you know, is no longer here, but then is no longer here at the hands of, of the state, perhaps, right? And yeah. what does it mean um, to honor them in, in terms of, like, protest and and, and, you know, rebellion. And so the do not gather flowers for me comma is really like an homage to that, right? Like, yeah, not yet. Like it's not time for that yet, right? First, we need, we need, we need sound, right? We need a, we yeah. need a, a resounding roar, right? We need, you know, we need, we need, we need a voice, a collective voice. And so let's, let's do that first. Yeah. Right? And you give it to us in the poem with all the sound, a sure. black Cadillac first, a hundred a Buick will do if old enough. It's yeah. all about the body and what it's born anyway. Yeah. It, I mean, we hear that music and that sound and the drum beat sure. through all of that. And yeah. I love the play of word. I mean, not just sonically, but also the play of words of body and born mm -hmm. uh, and the, that bearing and birthing that are inherent. Yeah, you know those yeah. are those are plosives. You know that that hard those hard B's P's plosive sounds. So yeah, they they create they create such a you know a resounding you know kind of music. That's right, and then it really changes when the flowers come in. Mm -hmm. The sound changes. Then you get more of the S sounds and the chrysanthemums and roses mm -hmm. and carnations spill yep. out each window, and we see the cars again. We see that long line of cars. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. You know the 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 sibilant, you know s's and yeah, you know and c's and ch's. So yeah, sure. That's yeah. You know, that's really the idea is is to to you know um kind of tr transport or or carry along the reader um through this this you know this this image right or this um scene right of yeah of the, the 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 Cadillac first right, but then 
um, this, like you said, line of of cars, right? And 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 the flowers that might be spilling out of them with the engines roaring, right? So we're, yeah. we're celebrating, but then also we're we're protesting at the at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And then you do you do this, this amazing subtle little change of you open with the scene of the cars and all that music. And it's all, it's in the uh, declarative grammatical mode. It's all straightforward. And then when the flowers come in, the the tone and the mood change. Let the chrysanthemums, roses and carnations spill out each window. And then a change again, make it magnificent. Yeah. So that uh, imperative mood comes in. Mm -hmm. And and the, uh, that change really starts to bring in the, the call of the spiritual so that when we come to the heavens at the end, mm-hmm. we've been prepared for them. In yeah. Those- yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's it. Right. Um, and I also think that there's um, along with like the music and, and that kind of ebb and flow, you just, you know, talked about declarative and imperative. Um, there's also this, this idea that like everything within a poem is like the idea of wrestling with something. You yeah. Know, something some truth, some image, some inspiration. And I think, you know, the poem is also doing that. Like, so so quite literally, this is the poem wrestling with how to make sense of, of, of this, you know, again, this image, this scene, this, this, this demise, right? And um, in that, that ebb and flow is evident of that wrestling, right? So, so it's yes. thinking about, you know, again, both like, what do we do with this, right? How do we move forward? How do we, you know, progress past, past this point? Um, and what better way to do it than considering flowers spilling? And it's like, oh, but like, it has to be magnificent. If, if the flowers are going to spill, then it has to be magnificent, right? So we need yes. all the chrysanthemums, carnations, and roses and yeah. make it magnificent. And while you're there, rev the engines too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's just really, and then, and then that turn right after that, until they are voiceless, until there is no gas left in the cylinders until a mushroom cloud of gray black exhaust can be seen from the heavens. And there, I feel like the windows in the poem just open wide. So we've got all of history sure. uh, coming in with those lines. And- sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 we were in service to each other. My, my um, liberation is tied to somebody. I don't even know, you know, their liberation across the, you know, the globe. And so yeah. this is the this is where the collectivity comes in, right? Um, yeah. And so yeah. they are voiceless. So the they is, you know, of course, plural. We're talking about this line of line of cars. Um, so 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 we, we need to show up in numbers, right? And we have to spend, you know, have spent all of our gas, you know, yeah. so there's a, a you know, a mushroom cloud. Um until yeah. this this call, right, for for whatever it is that we're wishing upon, for whatever it is that we're seeking after until you know, you have to pay attention to it. Yeah. 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 And and then those last three lines, anything this large and dying must have God's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it those lines do this amazing thing of, as a reader, bringing my attention fully in, but also feeling uh, in, in a way that it's it's not just the tragedy, it's also... Everything is encapsulated in that. Sure. You know, so it's, um, it kind of comes back to that yet. It's not hopeless yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it echoes. I think it echoes. Less kind of as a Smith's poem yeah. also. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, um, and this is the first poem in the book, you know, so it has to, I guess, tonally, you know, do that. Right. Like, yes. Right. It, it makes room for everything that follows. But I, yeah. I, when I read this book, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to need some time with this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I know what's coming in this book. Everything that's sure. in here. It's sure. It's really remarkable. Sure. Well, let's take a break here and mm. then we'll come back. Sure. You're listening to The Hive Poetry Collect. I'm your host, Julie Murphy. Please come join us for The Hive Live readings at Bookshop Santa Cruz and other places in town. You can find all our happenings on thehivepoetry.org. You can listen to The Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD on Sunday evenings at 8. You can download this podcast and all of our other previous broadcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere you get podcasts. You can visit The Hive Poetry Collective on Facebook, The Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, visit our website, hivepoetry.org. This is the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. Welcome back to the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Julie Murphy, and I'm here today with Daniel Summerhill. Daniel, one of the things I've been wanting to ask you is about how you became a poet. Sure. And then how did you learn the craft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. So um, I'll condense this story as much as I can. And I'll start, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the, the first question. And so I became a poet. Well, um, James Baldwin says we don't become writers, right? We um, discover we are, you know, writers. Um, and so I like to think that I was born a poet, mm. but I wasn't always aware of that. And I wasn't aware until maybe uh, eighth or ninth grade and two things happened in that period. Uh, in the eighth grade, um, my sister, my oldest sister, Tanisha Smith, who's also a poet, um, but she's 15 years older than I am. She had just gotten married and she moved away to New York with her new husband. Oh. She and I were the closest of all of my siblings. And so I was pretty heartbroken. However, she left behind a photo album of poetry that she wrote while she was in high school. Um, and I found it. And in that that uh, photo album that she had, you know, printed out her poems and put them in there. Uh, one of the poems was called Wishing Upon a 747. And it was really her um, wrestling with this idea that stars aren't visible from the inner city because of light pollution and all that. And so the poem was her, you know, kind of revelation that she wasn't wishing upon a star, but but upon a, a jet airplane, commercial jet. Um, so me finding that as a fledgling 10, 11, 12 uh, year old boy, and already kind of like trying to figure out like what I'm interested in and, and um, you know, what sparks me and, and you know, what I, what I have fun with finding it was like, oh, wow, like words can do this, you know. So that's the first thing. Um, a little later than that, you know, uh, I guess the next year um, in English, ninth grade English class, I had a teacher named Mr. Ross um, and we had a unit on poetry in, in English class. And we got to write poems and, and we got to share our poems. So I shared my poems. And then I, the very next day, um, uh, Mr. Ross pulled me aside and he gave me two things. He gave me the first book I ever read from cover to cover. Uh, first novel is called The White Boy Shuffle by Paul Beatty. And then he gave, uh, he gave me a journal, a blank journal, a brand new blank journal and wrote mm. inside the cover, so much talent, never wasted. And um, not a huge gesture, but a gesture that was grand enough um, to nudge me along, you know, my path as a writer, like to encourage me. And he saw maybe a spark. And, and here I am today as a writer. And I'd like to credit those two folks, 
largely with with you know nudging me you know along the way or at least being the vectors for me discovering my passion for writing and then craft came along just a bit later i guess craft has always been a part of my life again um through music mm-hmm. rhythm through culture um but m- you know much of my understanding of craft was was listening to a tribe called quest and um you know uh how they kind of controlled meter and rhyme within their yeah. song um you know so 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 naturally i think music kind of taught me so much about about sound um about about rhythm right about, yeah. about manipulate a listener's experience um through the diction you choose um and then you know so there's there's this kind of you know collective or or uh you know um the word is um uh, uh, a mosaic of 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 craft inspiration. My grandfather was a carpenter, and um, you know he taught me how to how to kind of use what I had at my disposal to make something out of nothing. And so, really quickly, uh, when I was uh, I think about nine years old, my grandfather I used to ask my grandfather to build me a go kart all the time, and he's super busy <laughs> something to do. And I'm like, Grandpa, I want a go kart. I want a go kart. So one summer, he's like, All right. You want to go kart? Here's what here's what you do. He says, you 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 see that shopping cart over there? Go grab it. It was in the gutter. He said, go grab it and, and, and roll it back over here. So I grabbed the shopping cart. He said, all right, go get that two by four that's leaning up against the wall. So I went and grabbed this 10, you know, 10 foot two by four, brought it back over. He said, okay, go get uh, the milk crate that's over in that corner, grab the milk crate. And I brought it, you know, back, back, back to where we were. Lastly, he said, go get your, your least favorite pair of shoes and um and bring them here. The ones you, you know, hate the, the the most and you won't you know you're not going to wear very much uh got the shoes and, and brought them back he said okay let's cut this two by four in three pieces the front uh axle the middle kind of piece and then the, your rear axle he said take those wheels off the shopping cart those are going to be your your wheels for your go-kart he says we're going to cut the front part of this milk crate off we're going to set it on top of these these three two by fours and then lastly take the shoe strings out of those shoes because you're going to tie them to the front sides of that front axle and you're going to steer with them you're going to sit in this milk crate and we're going to roll down this hill and that's your go-kart and so what i understood and took from that was both this idea of how to kind of make sense and and navigate what i had around me or what i had at my disposal Speaking yeah. of poetry, that's your language. That's, you know, the ways that you kind of understand craft and understand language. And I understood um, how to gather these things and arrange them in a way that kind of moves the poem or moves me forward to use that, that story to think about how I understood craft. Because in many ways, right, a poem is, is this vehicle trying to move yes. you or move the fear. And that's exactly what happened that day when, when my grandfather helped me build that go-kart. Wow, um, that's uh, such a great story. Sure, sure. And, and what a way to carry just uh, an ordinary event in a child's life, mm-hmm. it, kind of into the deepest part yeah. uh, of that calling. Like uh, you were born a poet and here are all these different ways that you found the vehicle for yep. that poetry to come through you. Sure. Absolutely. That's it. That's exactly it. And I, and I, it's still happening, right? Like every day I, I learn of something new that it has inspired or informed the way that I think about craft. Um, that, you know, that's, that has to be our relationship with craft. You know, we, craft doesn't, doesn't come from anything. It comes from our understanding and our interaction with our environment and the people around us. And, um, and that's how, you know, a comma is quite literally, 
you know, me deciding to pause in the middle of speaking, right? And so that might have have served a function of allowing people to understand or allowing, you know, information to seep in a little deeper, whatever it was, now it's come to be used as a common use in any kind of writing, right? This idea of a comma. So similarly, you know, everything we interact with and kind of understand in the world can be thought of as some sort of aspect of craft. Yeah. Yeah, that's marvelous. That's marvelous. Well, I'd love to hear some of your more of your work. If you're just tuning in, this is the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Julie Murphy, and I'm here with Daniel Summerhill, who's been reading uh, from his new book, Mausoleum of Flowers. And I, I think you have a poem that um, that's kind of a portrait of your grandfather, don't you? I do. Maybe I do. this would be a great time to read that one. Sure. This is Sunday in Oakland. You ask about the weather outside in an attempt to stretch our visit. And for the next 22 minutes, flaxen leaves smother the ground. The clouds are selfless and Oakland is golden today like all other days because Oakland measures its weather by the number of black bodies basking in the sun around Lake Merritt. By now, the most complicated thing you can remember of me is my name and how it forces your tongue to press against the roof of your mouth twice before the tension in your jaw is released. It is your only exercise. Routinely, you spend your time in bed until you are not. And then, like a moment at attention, the day is as grand as your body will allow. Oxfords, where the creases excavate themselves into a groove a pork pie crown and a shirt that you ironed collar first for the trip to refill your bag of chia seeds and other items your VA doctor recommended mostly aimed at preservation of a body that broke in 43 during the swing of the ally's fist. Your power chair hoist a flag that isn't red, white, and blue, but is as American as Jim Crow and you, and what's left of the 92nd Infantry class onto your buffaloes as if they're the only thing you've claimed as your own. It's Sunday, and if there was a day of the week to sink into yourself, it would have to be the Lord's Day, no matter your position to God. You are no exception to this rule. You sit at the edge of a bed that is also half machine and ask me to turn the TV down before, in a swift motion, you bring your legs to rest on your mattress. Their stiff landing, the last thing I hear from you. And your breathing slows, almost still. Your nasal passages soften as if rehearsing how to leave gently. And I am reminded how some stars we admire don't exist anymore. How, by the time we praise them, they've already shrapneled into God's palms. Beautiful, Daniel. That's Daniel Summerhill reading Sunday in Oakland on the Hive Poetry Collective here on K-Squid. Wow, this is just such an incredible portrait and elegy and social commentary. Yeah, you know, it's um, my grandfather's, uh, the anniversary of his passing is actually uh, coming up here in just about a week um, from when we're recording this anyway. And um, and so it's, you know, when I read it just now, actually, it, it did, you know, it sunk a little bit deeper than than any other time I read it, because yeah. it's around the time that uh, that he that he left this this earth. Yeah. yeah. 
he stands out so distinctly, like the language that you use. Yeah. The day is as grand as your body will allow. Yeah. Oxfords, where the creases excavate themselves into a groove, a pork pie crown, and a shirt that you ironed, collar first for the trip to refill your bag of chia seeds and other items your VA doctor recommended. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, my grandfather was my, my portrait of a man. You know, I uh, I never knew my father. I don't I don't know his name actually, and and so my you know my understanding of of what it meant to grow up to be um, to, to 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 have you know empathy to honor um, to care to love um, all those those qualities I learned from my grandfather. Mm-hmm. This poem was my attempt, my small attempt at capturing you know, what, what he, you know, um, helped me understand, right. To be a person, to be a human, to be a, a kind and loving giant of a, of a person um, in in big love. And so, you know, he, he, you know, I I was the, the collar first piece I was, I I think I'd stayed one night, you know, just hung out with them for a night and I got up the next day and I was heading somewhere to where I needed to wear a collared shirt and I set up the ironing board and started ironing and, and um, I, apparently I was doing it wrong. So, <laughs> and, and this is much later in, in his life. You know, this is my grandfather lived to he was, you know, just about 90 years old. And so mm-hmm. he lived a long life. And, and up until that point where he, you know, he's no longer with us, he would, you know, get dressed to go to the to the to the to the market, you know, um, iron his shirt, you know, put on his best, you know, shine, yeah. shirt, his top hat and would make his way. Um, because you know everything had to be um you know that that kind of um you know in that kind of order right yeah and um so yeah he was like yeah you're ironing it wrong you gotta you have to start with the collar and then you you know you work your way <laughs> you yeah. work your way back yeah. it, and the the concision of your language gives us all of that just like a pork pie crown it's not just a hat mm-hmm. you can feel how the speaker looks up mm-hmm. because he's wearing a crown mm-hmm. you know we we feel that love and that respect and yeah, you know, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's poised against those other lines. The most complicated thing you can remember of me is my name. Yeah. And the heartbreak in that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I spent much time with my grandfather really early on as a kid. And then I, I, there's a big gap in which, you know, I would call here and there, but I didn't, visit as as much as I should have and so when I was a little older and but this is you know the time where he was much older is when I finally started to spend more time with him and by that time of course you know your your body starts to fail you in more ways than one and um you know so so uh we would have many conversations and sometimes talk about all kinds of stuff um that he did not remember by the next time that I visited him right but that was okay um you know the time Mm. spent right the yeah shared space is is what I value yeah yeah and you really you invite the reader into that just in the very opening of the poem you ask about the weather outside and attempt to stretch our visit and for the next 22 minutes you don't really feel that Mm -hmm. (laughs) nope I mean that was it and and I didn't mind (laughs) yeah I didn't mind I didn't mind that one bit yeah yeah you know that small talk was made just so that he could keep me keep me there or around for a little bit longer or sustain the conversation. That was totally fine. Yeah. 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 And then the, the ending of the poem is 
also so moving where the last thing I hear from you and your breathing slows almost still, your mm -hmm. nasal passages soften as rehearsing how to leave gently. And I'm reminded how some stars we admire don't exist anymore. Yeah. How by the time we praise them, they've already shrapneled into God's palm. Yeah. It's such an amazing movement to go from that moment of almost death to the stars. Yeah. A and then not yeah. just the stars, but how the stars are already gone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really... yeah. I probably had a little moment there because this, <laughs> this is uh this is this is a tough time that I just I'm just now realizing. But uh, you know, I think the the, the idea that 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 was happening is I mean the poem is much, you know, like you said, a portrait, but then this is also understanding that. You know this this nothing gold can last um That's right. you know uh in and, and how by the time um we might realize that we have this 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 gold that it you know it's already too late you know yeah. and, and also that just our time the collection again is, is much about demise right so then speaking yeah. about like our time here you know ocean bong's title of of um uh is novel is on earth we're briefly gorgeous right yeah. so it's like this you know we're briefly here yeah. right? we, we only have a limited amount of time to make an impact to share space to um to love to to empathize that's and, right. and, that's, and that's what i think is is interesting here at the end of this poem but then also like that's how my grandfather kind of left us right it wasn't an abrupt um all of a sudden, like, you know, no, no longer here. It was much more of a, a slow, rehearsed, yeah. um, I'm preparing you, right, for, for, for when I leave kind of a yeah. thing. I let you yeah. let you down slow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that opening of the poem and the, the golden light in Oakland and that picture of late merit mm -hmm. um, is, is, it holds that gold right from the beginning and yeah. though at by the end of the poem, we know that's gonna pass also. Yeah. And that very last nine shrapneled into God's poems. Yeah. To turn that into a verb. <laughs> yeah. I, it, yeah. It's um so stunning. Sure. Shout, shout out to the to the you know the the back and forth with the editors about turning you know, <laughs> turning turning nonverbs into verbs. Uh, but but yeah, that was that that was the word that I I, I had to have had for for this for this movie. Yeah. That image. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really like the only word that would do right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. If you're just coming to join us, this is the High Poetry Collective. I'm Julie Murphy. I'm here with Monterey poet Daniel Summerhill. And, um, oh my gosh, Daniel, there's so much I still want to ask you about. Um, you have referenced James Baldwin a lot mm. and June Jordan. I'm imagining that they've been important teachers for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've discovered James Baldwin, I suppose, didn't until my freshman year of college, of undergrad. And then June Jordan, even, even later in that, I had read June Jordan's work, but I hadn't really like studied June Jordan up until like, again, like college. It's, and then, you know, I'd read Toni Morrison as a kid. I had read Langston Hughes as a kid, but again, mm -hmm. not 
really considering them as teachers, but more so like, the, you know, these are just writers who I'm reading. In yeah. and, but, but much later, I discovered their approach, not only to writing, but to the world and how they existed. And James Baldwin in particular, I like to call like my my uncle or my grandfather in, in some ways, like literary ancestor says that, you know, the duty of the writer is to tell the truth, right? And in that we don't know what the truth is, right? Because he was asked once in an interview and he's like, yo, the, the role of the writer is to tell the truth. And then he clarifies the interviewer asks, you know, well, well what is the truth? How do we know what that is? And, and mm-hmm. James Baldwin mm-hmm. says, we don't always know what the truth is, but we do know what a lie is. We do recognize a lie, right? And so yeah. I think that's what my approach to writing has been. Toni Morrison says, the only way to, to avoid the hand of God is to climb in it. You know, um, there's mm-hmm. this, this, this mm-hmm. kind of adage to, um, you know, face the things or confront the things that haunt you, right? Yeah. So writing is always about doing just that. It's about figuring out how to discover something you did not know um, when you sat down to write it. And sometimes those things um, could be terrifying, right? Um, yeah. Writing forces you to reveal things about yourself you didn't know. Yeah. Um, so they've taught me those things, right? They've yeah. taught me how to, how to stay to the truth, to, to the ideas of chronicling and excavation, um, and, and using, you know, writing as a, as a, you know, as a, as a tool, right. As right. A, yeah. Well, that's a, that discovery that comes in writing takes us right to the beauty and the terror. Sure. Yeah, like there's no avoiding that. There's no avoiding it. Yeah. If, if, if it's a good piece of writing, there's no, there's no avoiding it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's really clear in your work that you have the courage to really go into those tough topics I'm You're still really, working on it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you do it. And and that's both personal subject matter, but also the social subject matter. Sure. That even in your most personal poems, there's a larger social context that's very apparent yeah. in the poems. Yeah. And, and it makes me wonder, like, how do you think about a, a poet or a writer's duty to the world or to themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, Nina Simone, you know, the great Nina Simone. The great said, Nina Simone. <laughs> you know, once said that the artist's duty is, is to reflect the times. And, yeah. and she says that's true of painters, of sculptors, of musicians. Um, and she says that to me is, is my duty. So so in, in my opinion, as a poet, my obligation is, is to tell the truth. Um, and, and that is, of course, the same thing, right? Or I liken to... to you know, um, reflecting the times, right? Now I realize this, you know, it sounds really romantic or like, you know, grandiose, but but uh, I guess to clarify, I mean that, um, you know, I, I, I'm always in search of, and my moral and, and I'd argue professional duty is to be in constant quest towards some truth. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, I, I start my classes by saying, you know, this poem will, will, will not, is, is not enough. No poem you ever write will be enough, you know? Yeah. Um, writing is not a revolutionary act in itself, but telling the truth is. And so um, I, I consider or think about any writer or any poet's kind of duty is, is to that idea of telling the truth and excavating and reflecting the times, as the great Nina Simone would say. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a marvelous quote of hers. Mm-hmm. It's very inspiring what you're saying. I think the our listeners can hear that call to action. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a call to action. And this again, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing, right? Like I said, yeah. I'm still gathering the courage to do it myself. Yeah. But it's, it's about the quest, right? It's not. That's a, right. Yeah. It, the journey yeah. is the goal. 
And right. that call to tell the truth, even if you're you're listening and you're not an artist, you're not a writer, it doesn't diminish our duty to it. Mm-hmm. You know, just in our conversation and expression and our nope. willingness to look and see what's actually happening. Nope. You know, the yeah, beauty and the terror. Yep. Yep. And and that idea of empathy, right? Like yeah. to, to see someone, right? To recognize and and again empathize and connect with and and understand, right? Like yeah. all those things are it's just, it's all in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, let's hear uh, another poem. I'll I'll end with the newest poem uh uh that I that I've written uh and that's all my prayers sound like a Chief Keef record. Um, oh, and this great. Is, yeah, and this is this is after Hanifa Derekib, um, and it includes lines from Tierra Whack and um, Buster Rhymes. All my prayers sound like a Chief Keef record. Near 152, the reservoir has no water. Well, amen. Where I'm from, a group of Black folks is a two-step or a funeral, a circadian rhythm, a small slaughter. 43 miles to 152, a balloon in the draft says it must return home before the streetlights come on. A boy tells me he believes in God because his mother didn't die when she was choked to death. While peeling a pomegranate, my uncle's words, nothing good comes without hard work. I can't recall if this was before or after his body burst into a field of hydrangeas. My mother coaxing my tears into a small offering. The soil shimmers, a mausoleum of new. I don't know death, only grief. If I don't sleep, tomorrow will come anyway. I apologize. I'm not in the business of disproving miracles. If we're protesting death, it's too late. If we're looking for God, it's too soon. I apologize. Heaven has all my favorite people. And the dead don't desire justice, only ghosts. And when they leave... Even the shadows got a sound to them. Praise Frank Ocean's falsetto. Moon River's second chorus dangling from the core progressing like a tiny poltergeist. Praise the ghost that keep me suspended between here and somewhere holier. Praise the pallbearers. How the dead are responsible for preserving the dead. Praise Jimmy's cigarette tapping like Morse code. Praise no name in the street and all of its cousins. Praise the scaffold. Praise the hand. Off Highway 1, there is a place where Calilis run away into the ocean. The waves freestyle there are risen. In this story, the boy is a blade. I apologize. All my prayers sound like a Chief Keef record. Some I love are dead. Some I love eulogize themselves by dancing to their childhood names. Will you hold my hand while the water rises? Will you fall to your knees? For prayer. That's Daniel Summerhill reading his new poem, All My Prayers Sound Like a Chief Keef Record. There's so much in this poem, Daniel. I, I really hear the difference. Yeah, you know, this poem, I like to think, it's not in Mausoleum of Flowers. Um, I wrote right. it kind of soon after it was, uh, the manuscript was done for Mausoleum of Flowers, um, but it didn't make the cut. Um, or the time anyways. Um, but I like to think that it's like the bonus track or the deluxe, <laughs> it would be <laughs> like a deluxe, deluxe album because yeah, I think man. it does touch on similar themes, but then also it does, I think, do different things and, and, and break open in a different a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can you tell us about 
kind of what compelled you to write this particular poem? Yeah, um, Hanif Abdurraqib's Some of Some I Love That Are Dead uh, is the name of, of that poem, or Some I Love Who Are Dead, uh, excuse me. Uh-huh, yes. Um, and it's a poem that um, I first read when Hanif was in conversation with uh, poet Paul Tran, and, um, and they had to share poems, and one of the ones that Hanif shared was this one. And what I loved about the poem is one that it, it didn't bind itself like Hanif doesn't um, to any particular form or fashion, but allowed itself space to explore different things, but under the same umbrella. And um, for me, like my obsession, not obsession, you know, obsession is the word, but I like to think that it's more of a, um, the thing that's on my heart is, is this idea of Black demise. And so to think about it yeah. from however many ways I can, the form um, that this poem took allowed me to do so. Um, yeah. So Hanif, yeah, the, the the freedom that Hanif allows himself um, to explore different things from a various number of ways and in form, but then also in content is what, what inspired this one. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing that the rhythm through the poem, like it, it has your unique voice in it. Yep, that's like, even though the form is different than the other poems, I, I really yeah. hear your voice and your rhythm. And, you know, listeners, you can't see the poem, but the structure of the poem keeps changing. Yeah. Some of it's got like blocks, like a prose poem, and uh, there's little gaps uh, between the lines. It's um, keeps changing. And what I like about it is it keeps giving me pause to think and rethink and be moved and move again. Yeah. Just just like the music does. Sure. In a way, just like a Chief Keef sure. record does. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that's that's the idea is, you know, poetry, especially stanzaic poetry is is the the form of many rooms. And this poem has many rooms. And I think yeah. each room kind of spills into the next. And it's through the form that I try to direct the reader to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like all your other poems, just so many beautiful standalone lines that haunt me. Yeah. 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 Well, Thank it's so been much. such a pleasure having you with us, Daniel. Sure. And um, I don't know. We ha I think we have one more minute. Okay. If you can tell us a little bit about what you're up to as a poet laureate in Monterey, it'd be yeah. great for everyone to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been able, I've been poet laureate since January of, of this year. And over the past year, I've been able to do a, a ton of things, one of which is visit many of the high schools throughout the county to do like poetry workshops, which has been amazing. That's probably the highlight of my time so far. Um, I've also done um, a series of workshops at the Monterey County Free Libraries. Um, they're free, right? They're for all abilities. Oh, how great. Are bilingual. So we'll have, um, you know, poetry workshops. So check out Monterey County Free Libraries for more information on that. Uh, upcoming, I'm working on a, an oral anthology of Monterey County poets um, that'll be, you know, published both electronically and then also limited print. So there's that, um, among other things. But the biggest thing is being able to connect um, with with people. And the last thing I'll share is I started an open mic that takes place at the Hymn Nutrition, which is in Seaside on Broadway. Um, and it happens every first Monday. The title of the open mic is First Mondays. So if you remember First Mondays, you know there's an open mic taking place at the Hem Nutrition. And all are welcome to come and share your, your poems or your meditations or whatever you have. Oh, that's fabulous. That's great to know. And uh, please remember that Daniel will be here in Santa Cruz in a couple of days on Tuesday at Bookshop Santa Cruz with the Hive Live reading with Jennifer Sang. 
And uh, thanks so much for joining us, Daniel. It's just been such a pleasure and an honor to share this time with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, been great. Hope to have you back again. Yeah, I, I love that. Thanks so much for joining us on the High Poetry Collective. I'm Julie Murphy, and I wish you well and see you next time.